Today's episode of the Outer Roll podcast is brought to you by Goalie Monkey. Next time you need any goalie equipment, head to goaliemonkey.com, plug in promo code PODCAST10, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, the number 1010, for 10% off your entire order. That's PODCAST10 at goaliemonkey.com. Some exclusions may apply. Go check it out. Get yourself a nice little 10% discount, and stay tuned for the Outer Roll podcast. sequence starts. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Alright, welcome into another episode of The Outer Roll, brought to you by Goalie Monkey, here on the Goalie Monkey Podcast. Great interview for you today. We talked to Spencer Freer from Bauer. Before we get to that, we got Grayson in the studio. Grayson, what's up, buddy? Nothing much. You know, um, I'm really excited about this interview. I thought we had a great time. It was a really fun conversation with Bauer because they have, they have so many things coming out this year that are very exciting, in my opinion, and I can't wait till you guys hear about it. Before we get to Bauer, uh, we're in space. U.S. had a space launch. Yeah. First time since 2011. Yeah, on U.S. soil. That's It's been such a long time. They've, they've been doing stuff here and there, but, I mean, for the U.S., like, this is a big turning point for their future plans. And since kind of like the podcast is based off of a space theme, like, I wanted to kind of get into that and say, like, it's exciting. It's exciting news. Not that there's that much to this story necessarily, but, you know, obviously the podcast starts with 2001 A Space Odyssey. The logo is very space. I think the logo is awesome, but it's very space themed. Yeah. Do you have a little bit of insight as to why? I mean, you're wearing a NASA shirt in studio, right? Now. Yeah. Like, what, is there any reason why it's space other than just like, oh, it's neat? Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> so I, I grew up in Phoenix. And then when I was 10, I moved to Houston. And from the first time I ever visited Houston, I went to the Space Center down there and I've had kind of like an interest of, you know, space and NASA and all of that throughout the years. And so uh, when, when I came up here, I've, I've been keeping kind of like a close eye, especially with like SpaceX going on and NASA and going and visiting the Space Center thing. I, I, it was just an interest for me. And so when the opportunity came to name the podcast, I remember spitballing around tons of different names the original podcast i forget what it was called i think it was like going monkey chats yeah because we had had there was a few youtube i think it was chats that sounds right yeah i believe it was chats and that we was kind of had, all had our own thing going for a little bit before it all came into like the monkey sports podcast yeah it was before like the official podcast it was more of a blog mm-hmm. but then i had the youtube video up mm-hmm. it was it acted like a podcast and that was kind of the birth of everything but then we wanted to change it up. I was like, oh, that's kind of like a boring name. Like, it's, like I had I wanted to go with that, but then uh, we were spitballing around, and someone, I, I think it was Chris, suggested uh, Outer Roll because of, like, the whole space theme. It sounds pretty spacey, like Outer mm-hmm. Worlds was yeah. coming out. I think the video game was coming out around <laughs> that time. So it was like, oh, I think that sounds really cool. And I was like, what if we put it with, like, the NASA logo, and then we sent it to our team they brought us back and it looked fantastic from like the first version and mm-hmm. I was like that's it like outer roll and then you can play on that a lot and I remember Kirk loved it mm-hmm. because that was like the big thing about the warrior <laughs> yeah. pads at the time was the outer roll yeah. and I was like well this this ties together quite well it does which so going into you mentioned Kirk and you know the warrior outer roll pads and stuff 
going into the Bauer stuff. Yeah. Kind of seemingly the opposite of focusing on the outer role. I mean, granted, I maybe don't know goalie as well, but just looking at the pad yeah. aesthetically, it seems like it kind of slopes off more than you know the really distinct like Brian's yeah. look or New Warrior look or anything like that. But yeah, well, everyone has their their different type of pad that does the different things. Brian's actually has a like a really thin outer roll on one of theirs. It's like it barely pops off the pad on the. I believe it's the optic does that. And uh, who am I thinking of that has a really really defined? It's like a two inches thick outer. Maybe I've, there is a, a Brian's. I'm the, thinking the new warriors. Like a the new warriors on the middle of the pad are like that, but then it slopes off towards the top and tapers. Mm, okay. But uh, Vaughn Vaughn's pretty accented and they're like pretty uh, aggressive. Yeah. And uh, so Bauer a couple years ago they when they made the one S which is uh, what four different versions ago now from like the one X and two X in between those mm -hmm. they decided to do the it's it just kind of like goes up a little bit on the outer roll. So it's a seamless design, and it still acts as an outer roll, but without any of like the issue that might come with an outer roll. I never really experienced it myself, but I think it's a slick design, especially with the way they designed their pads. We get into that a little bit on the whole construction, which I think is fascinating. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's such an understatement on like how crazy it actually is. And uh, so, yeah, it's like everyone has their own specific thing that they do, and Bauer is one of those that it's... It's unique to what they do. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of torn. Like we talk about, yeah, you mentioned we talk about it with Spencer, you know, the just the construction of their pads and obviously that you can digi-print the, the front and you can make it look like any different thing. I'm kind of torn because as much as I love like the really old school, like yeah. Brian's kind of has some throwback look and Warriors have like the throwback look to it. The Bauer look is, you know, seemingly so much more like new school yeah. and like hip and cutting edge and stuff like that so in the goalie community is there more of that like traditional feel or is it just kind of up to because like obviously you know baseball is all traditional it's it's there's nothing not nothing new and cutting yeah. edge but it's kind of outcast but lacrosse is you know the exact opposite like traditional stuff is you know a thing in the past always new in front like what's the goalie vibe um i think it depends who you talk to because it, a lot like goaltending itself you have these old style goaltenders battling with the new style on what exactly they want the entire world to be like in goaltending. <laughs> so you have someone like Mike McKenna who played for the Texas Stars. And, oh, I mean, not just for the Texas Stars. He's played for a billion teams. Um, he has a very exciting story. And he did a graphic on his pads when he played for the Texas Stars that looked like an old uh, reactor bower pad mm -hmm. from like way back. And they digitally printed the, uh, the knee rolls onto it. And they looked awesome. And so you can do that with the new one, but the whole overall design, I feel like Bauer as a company is pushing for that futuristic look. Yeah, for sure. They're trying, because the technology that they're using is so far and above what anyone was experiencing years ago. So I feel like they're pushing for that futuristic look, but from a consumer standpoint, I feel like it just depends who you're talking to. And I mean, with digital print, you can you can make it feel like the retro style. You can add- right. you get the freedom. Yeah, yeah, you can add like leather straps and stuff like that, but- it's all about like opinion at that point. And yeah. I, I don't really think it's leaning either way, but I feel like the more futuristic look is, is in my opinion, like way cooler than what it used to be. Well, we talked to Spencer about what are some of the craziest digital prints he's seen, as well as everything with the new ultrasonic line. Let's get into it. Spencer Freer from Bauer Goalie. All right, we're back with the Outer Roll podcast, welcoming on brand manager for Bauer Goalie, Spencer Freer. Spencer, how you doing? Good, how are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, hop on. I know we've got a lot of exciting Bauer product to talk about coming out soon. Let's jump right into it, Grayson. 
Yeah. Um, so just to get started, we're just going to get to know Spencer a little bit. Uh, tell us about your hockey career and kind of what made you get into hockey originally. Yeah. So hockey career, uh, definitely not not a very extravagant one, but I definitely <laughs> played hockey my whole life. Um, kind of got first into hockey, um, lived next door to a kid that basically lived hockey as well. And then he kind of got me into it. And then becoming a goalie was just one of those things that I never really wanted to get off the ice. So it was kind of a nice loophole uh, to never having to take a shift off or anything from a goalie perspective. And then, yeah, it's just play, played um, kind of like single A, double A my whole life. And then started to move and then moved into junior and then played, just played a little bit of junior hockey, but nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of us end up doing, really, is just uh, moving up to a certain point, and then you kind of realize what you're going to end up doing and if the pros are right for you or not, and then there's a ton of different routes that you can go with hockey. So from you know playing juniors and everything, what got you into Bauer? What was, uh, what was the transitioning phase from being a player to a worker for hockey? Yeah, so I, I think it was when I was so my last couple of years of hockey, I was going to I was I was in college, and then um, just basically I went to school specifically for sporting goods. So I took a program in Peterborough, Ontario, um, for sporting goods business at Fleming College that basically just was very focused on the industry, whether it was from bikes or tennis or hockey. It was just kind of teaching you the core of the entire industry itself and. I went from there and I actually started working hockey retail, not really sure what I wanted to do exactly and what it could be. So I worked at a store in Toronto and yeah, and then basically a position became available that I started at Bauer um, on what is the Bauer experience team. So what that is, is uh, it's a grassroots kind of program that we go from city to city and kids, kids can try out the gear and kind of see what it's all about. And it's basically representing the brand uh, from a grassroots level. So and then from there, I just kind of had a, a number of positions and luckily landed in goalie. So it's been, uh, it's been a pretty good fit. So I admittedly, you know, never really played hockey growing up and, and obviously never would have played hockey goalie. But one thing that I think is so unique to the position is how wired in the community is to the product and stuff that they're using and how, you know, the ins and outs and the design and everything like goalies just love their product. Would you classify yourself as one of those kind of big gearhead guys when you were playing and, and then, you know, climbing the ranks through Bauer and everything? Yeah, hundred percent. I was, I was always a gear, like a, a gear nerd when it came to it. It was that I, I always had to know what, what the newest thing was out, what, like how to get it. Obviously like not to age myself, but like we didn't really like growing up, we didn't really have Facebook or like there wasn't really forums or anything like that. That was really out there to, to kind of go through or get any, any inside look. So you literally have to wait for the new catalog to come out or go in store and hopefully you could get some sneak peek. And so I grew up in Peterborough and I, I followed the peaks there and it was like, wait, just waiting to see what the new gear, the new goalie was going to wear that year or anything like that. But it, it definitely, it's pretty interesting the way that the community of goalie works, whether it, they always seem to be dialed in. They always seem to see what what each goalie is wearing. But what's always crazy to me, it's at every age. It's whether the guy is 35 and starting goalie or it's the 11-year-old who's playing um, like single A, house league, triple A, whatever it might be. They just always seem to have some information or want to know the most about their equipment. And, and I, I don't want to put myself on the spot, but I really don't know another industry that someone is that educated about their gear or what they're putting on and maybe golf golf's a good one for for tech and stuff but yeah goalie's a kind of a beast of its own 
Yeah, I feel like that doesn't really translate to other uh, sports, like you said. Like, yeah, maybe golf, but I feel like really anyone can pick up a pair of golf clubs to a certain point, but until you get serious about it. But I feel like even the lowest levels of goalies, they know exactly what their gear is doing. And then going even further back, I can definitely relate to that age, like before social media came out. I remember heading to uh, to a hockey shop in Phoenix, Arizona with my brother growing up, and we would sit in the aisles messing around with goalie gear for hours. My brother used to go there after drop-ins on, you know, whatever morning it was, he'd drag me along, I'd watch him play, and then we'd have her head over to the sh- to the store, and we would be there for, you know, two hours looking at every little piece of gear because there was nowhere that you could really get informed besides catalogs, which they had available there, on what gear you can get, what's new, and then the best part about the shop was you could just go in and, pick whatever up and then try it out. So did you have a pretty similar experience with uh, the hockey stores growing up on just kind of picking up pieces and figuring out what you like before you made a purchase? Yeah. And, and I, I can remember flip-flopping and like talking myself into different gear. Like I remember seeing yeah. something and was like, Oh, I'm getting that for sure. And then like three weeks later, there'd be something different. And I'm like, all right, maybe, uh, maybe I get something different and maybe I do this. <laughs> so yeah, there, there, there's definitely different, like, I, I can remember, like, luckily, like, in Canada, it, it's always, we always have a pretty unique look at gear or yeah. um, different different things out there. So there was a magazine growing, when I was growing up called Goalies World, and it was like, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, but it, it, I mean, it was an in-depth magazine that was a physical magazine that you'd buy at the store that was, like, everything goalie. They had drill seminars with Brian DeCord. They had, or Mitch Korn as well. Yeah. They had, and then it was like stores would advertise. So like, I remember when like other products came out, like when I was growing up, like TPS Bionic. I remember when like that pad was in there, I was like, okay, I'm sold. And then something else would come out. So it was pretty cool, pretty inside look. And then that's kind of where like the gear nerd kind of side of me kind of came out. And that's where I just definitely fell in love with it. So going from there, obviously, there's been so many jumps in technology and in marketing and all this stuff. Talk a little bit about kind of how Bauer is helping bridge that gap between, you know, the goalie that's tuned into his pads and really loves what he wants versus the guy that's still kind of figuring it out. Like, what role do you guys kind of play in really helping a goalie dial in exactly, okay, this is what I want or this is what I don't want? Yeah, so I I think this year, the the biggest thing we've, and I should say it every year, but for sure this year we really just tried to focus in on simplifying our lineup so that entry level goalie who's new to goalie it was a buying goalie equipment was was a bit of a tough challenge it was they were doing like we had two price points we had a supreme and we had a vapor we had a reactor back a few years back and, and that entry level goalie who's just looking for simplicity and buying their product is it makes it really, really tricky. So it's one of those things that, so with our new lineup, we have the new GSX lineup, which is just a single family. We kind of took the best of Vapor and Supreme and to simplify that buying experience and our chest and arms. Like we didn't need a Vapor and Supreme at all price points. So we took GSX and our Bauer only family, and then we, we created an elite chest and arm, then we created a GSX chest and arm. So just about simplifying that because, Goalie can be very tough to buy for when you hit the wall because obviously if you're new to the position or not very familiar and you're not the gear nerd doing all his homework at home, we want to make sure that you're de- being able to digest all that info. What's your role at Bauer right now? How are you uh, putting yourself into the community? 
Yeah, so my role right now is um, as a brand manager. Basically, I, I handle some product things on our side. Um, so basically, I, I'm pretty hands-on in our development in the product with our development team in, in Blaineville. Um, but where I really deep dive would definitely be the marketing. So trying to focus on how do we get that consumer. And, and so I run all of our social media, which has basically been our biggest driver. And then it's also grassroots. It's um, working with the stores, making sure the messaging is there. And just basically any messaging that the stores need to be able to help sell Bauer, that, that's a big part of it. So getting involved in that direction is, is definitely a huge part of my role and having that better connection point with the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Making the the goaltender more informed about what they're purchasing and why they should purchase it is like a huge part. I feel like more than ever today because you don't want to spend a high amount of money because goaltending is an investment. So you want to be most informed when you're picking out a piece of gear and then making something like the GSX line is actually, it's genius, honestly, to take parts from both kinds of pads and make an ultimate line that bridges the gap between I'm not sure about goaltending and then allow me to figure out what I want. Yeah. And I, I think a big part of it too, is just like, like I mentioned, I, I, it's funny, all my sales presentations are, always, I think I say simplified like a hundred times, but <laughs> it's just about that messaging of also bringing it back to understanding that Bauer is a goalie brand. It's not Bauer who also does player really well, also has goalie. We wanted to make sure that when, Myself and my, and my other brand manager, Mark, when we took over the category in 2015, 2016, like we wanted to completely like redefine ourselves in the goalie world, that we are a goalie brand. We're dedicated as every other brand. And that we think now like the product really represents that, that everyone, uh, there's nothing more than I'd love to hear than when I go to a demo or I go to a store or I see a review online and the guy goes, oh, you know what, Bauer listens. They're finally doing this. Or, you know, Bauer really listened when they were talking about the knee stability. Like, that's something that we take a lot of pride in because that is, we know that we're doing the right thing for our, for our consumer. So you made the point of, you know, how often you say simplify and how this new line is, is simple and easy to understand. I feel like, you know, in especially in what a hyper niche position like hockey goalie that's constantly changing and all this technology is going into it simplification almost seems to be kind of the breaking of the mold of like, hey, instead of these 9 million things we've done to upgrade this pad, we've simplified it. Has there been any kind of like pushback or any hesitation maybe to projecting that simplification message in comparison to the, the goalie community? Um, not, not as much. I think the, where the pushback comes in is some, sometimes people expect too much from a certain price point. So someone who hears about a brand new Bauer line sees that pad at that opening price point and goes, wow, gosh, it doesn't have this. And it's like, okay, well, maybe if you're if you're that in tune and that's something you're looking for, that's definitely a step up in price point. So we wanted to make sure that anyone who is genuinely shopping at that price point and is looking for all those right things, that they pick up that pad and the retailer can help them go like, look, this has everything you need. And if they go, well, you know what, I wish that this had a better landing zone, okay, then you know what, then maybe it's time to step up, and that's what you get when you go up the price point. So the resistance, not as much. I think that as much as it's a responsibility of us to have better products, but then also to listen to the goalie, but we also need to listen to the goalie coaches out there too, and that's something we really do with our partnerships is that we sit down with them and say, hey, like, what's going on in the game right now? Because it wouldn't make sense if we were making a pad that, 
is built for two pad stacks. Like it just, it would be completely backwards if we weren't listening properly. And that's something we've been very fortunate with, with our partners that we say like, Hey, what's going on? And whether it goes above my head as my skill level as a goalie, that's not what's important. I need to make sure that we're speaking to the kid that is six years old to the guy who's 45. So would you say that kind of user feedback is, is, the driving force and when you guys are redesigning pads and stuff, or is that something that factors in with, you know, the math and, you know, the way the game is playing and everything else that's more behind the scenes? Yeah, I think it's a mix of everything. It's, it, we, we really try to take the, the, the feedback from all angles that, that we can get to put it in. But then it's also, we, we lean on our, on our development team to say like, Hey, what's out there? What's exciting? Like, we didn't think up like uh, myself and Mark, like we didn't think up cortex skin. Our engineer who works in blame was like, we have this unbelievable new material that can make the pad lighter, faster and rethink rebounds and rethink um, slideability. It was like, wow. Okay. Now we're onto something. And then that's basically how you take it from there. The, I, it's, it's crazy to see how far Bowers come in the last, you know, six years, even, from I remember like the total one pad coming out with the little uh, like the inserts, the black and yellow inserts yeah. that you can put in. I remember like that's when I was really getting into goaltending and that was like the one pad that I really, really wanted. And to go all the way to the 1S, which was game changing at the time. I remember going into a room having to give my phone to someone so we could go see the Bauer uh, 1S pad. And then... <laughs> To come to now and I'm to kind, I'm kind of hurt that you don't remember that that was me. I do remember that was you. <laughs> of course, I remember that was you. <laughs> I'm just not sure you took my phone. I just remember you did the presentation. I did. Well, I, I got to keep all the important jobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just I I remember trying on like pads left and right, being able to see like this is game changing. This is crazy, and then figuring out like what went wrong here, what went right there, and then getting all the way to the ultrasonic, I feel like making a pad that revolutionary and having to fine tweak it, I feel like even the 2S and the ultrasonic just take that insane idea and push it to be even better. Yeah, for sure. I think it, it, it's just about how the evolution works is that when we looked at, when we had 1S and coming through the season of 1S, we knew that like, what did we do for 2S Pro to make that better? It was like when we all looked at each other, we went, well, the no-brainer is the durability because we obviously had some durability issues, and we, I mean, that was just from the demand was so high that we maybe forced that to market a little too quick before a little more validation was needed. But that's why for 2S Pro, the focus was durability. Well, we upped that durability, and then that's where we started to see some huge strides in uh, for us for the market share. We moved into 2X Pro. Um, for Vapor, a, a much more flexible pad that's also super, very durable. And then now we can start to take off into ultrasonic, and then that's where we started to look at, okay, how do we make that pad perform better, let alone the durability? I, I think that's so important to uh, to really like look at like kind of what went wrong and then how you got to now. So that finally transitions into the, uh, to the ultrasonic pad. And I just wanted to ask you, what's new for 2020? Yeah, so for the ultrasonic, uh, the, the, the basically the biggest change is our new knee block. So the new knee block um, is the stabilis wide. So think about it this way. For anyone who is a little newer to goalie listening, the way a knee block is constructed, it's basically some, ni- some nylons and some leathers, and then you have some foam that basically sandwiches the knee stack together. 
But the way that that's connected to the pad is actually laced into the backside. So everyone knows that over time, lacing can loosen off. So that creates a lot of instability with your knee stack. So what happens is, is that when that becomes sloppy, the pad basically stops performing or responding to your leg as, as much as you need it to. So whether that's going down in your butterfly or moving side to side, the pad can just become a little sloppy over time. So with the Stabilify knee block, what we've done is we've built the knee stack into the core of the pad. So knowing that, we've created basically an L-shaped bracket that is connected. That way, the pad and the knee block act as one, and you never have any separate um, energy transfer. That way, when you go to move to the pad, move to the ice, that pad is following suit right to the ice, giving you better energy transfer. But then that will eliminate your over and under rotation once you're in the butterfly. So huge change from a pad perspective in the way that it's constructed. But it also is a huge upgrade in the way that the butterfly interacts. So better stability overall from top to bottom when you're actually in the butterfly. Yeah, and then does that kind of work with uh, when you move into like an RVH situation, uh, kind of leaning forward in that, would that keep the pad from like kind of turning over a little bit toward the puck or would that kind of make the pad more level and maybe make like a better like frame, I guess, to the ice where you feel more balanced? Yeah, yeah exactly. It'd be a balance point. So what we've actually created is, on, if you look at the way that the calf plate is constructed, so everybody listening, like check out on, on our website or on Mug's website, is that check out that there is actually a ridge placed on the inside calf plate, but then on the inside, we've actually come out with a new shape of a pillow. That way, when you actually put the pressure down on the pad in the butterfly, you actually get better balance from top to bottom too. So that way, if you're in your butterfly or in RBH, that pad doesn't want to over-rotate or under-rotate. So when we talk about under-rotating, that just means that that pad, think about the outer roll, pointing towards the ice. But you want that flat and make sure you have proper ice deal. So that's how those two, the the knee block and the um, butterfly assist, work together. Yeah, and then I wanted to kind of flip inside of the pad. And on the inside of the knee block, there's a new material all along the inside of the leg channel. What is that, and kind of where did that come from? You know what? That, that's it was just more of a it was a material that we got presented that was just very durable, lightweight, and just kind of looked really cool. It, it basically interacts kind of like a Nash material, so from water wicking um, durability, the Velcro doesn't really stick to it. So it was actually just a pretty cool material, and we just wanted to kind of take it to the next level of like aesthetics like what can we do to really make this pad look a lot richer but also a neutral kind of cool gray so when our designer showed us that we were like yeah we're all in <laughs> yeah i remember uh for like the 1s pad the velcro if you've had any, if you had any sticking out it would kind of pull up that fabric so it's cool yep. to see the development of something like that 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 won't apply and that something like that won't happen you know for sure so how did you like get to Stabila Slide? Was that like one of your main focuses in the development phase? And like, was that kind of like what you wanted to mainly focus on for to move from the 2S to the ultrasonic? Yeah. So I think the way that it works, like the way that our kind of our year works is that we basically, we, we do a lot of consumer and store interaction throughout the year. And we kind of just make notes as the year goes on of like what's working and what's not working. And a consistent feedback was that our knee blocks were getting very soft and a little sloppy to a year and a half, two years into owning that pad. Well, if you're buying an elite level pad, you got to make sure that you're not like you're getting everything that you, you put into it by, by buying that level. So 
that was the main area. But then when we started to look at our goalies play, whether it's Vasilevsky's notorious for it or was notorious for it, was that guys are over, there was a ton of over rotation. As guys are more flexible, guys wear their pads loose. And it was like, how do we accomplish eliminating over or under rotation? And a goalie gets to wear his pad exactly how he wants. And that was just something on how we, we did it. We basically focused on what we thought the 2S Pro was lacking and how we could get better. So you mentioned, uh, you know, a year and a half to two years, which coming not from the goalie world seems like, you know, about the life of a product. But obviously, it's something that you guys have improved and worked on. What's the durability or, or maybe lifespan that someone can expect from uh, this new pad line? You know what? It's really tough. I I definitely think it's, it's, it will be longer than our pads in the past, especially because of the fact that you're getting the new butterfly assist on the calf and obviously the new knee block. Those two elements are going to add like really big advantages to durability. But from a skin in front of the pad, that's where we improved that in 2018 for um, 2S Pro. So that's something that we've really tried to focus on is just upping that durability, giving it a timeline of tough. Because if a kid buys that and he plays twice a week but wants a pro-level pad, that's going to last him much longer than a guy who's playing six to seven times a week who typically is buying that elite level pad. Yeah, I feel like durability really for goaltending breaks down to what you make it. And it, it's all about frequency and then your the care on and off the ice, making sure if there is any issues, you address them quickly. Yeah, it's basically what you make it. Well, and a big one is how you define it. Yeah. So a lot of people believe that durability is strictly the way that the leather or the material on the outside of the pad wears. It's it goes a lot more into that. It's about how well the stability of the knee block stays or how much does your core start to deform on the inside of the pad. Like some of our competitors that they, they preach a pro level pad or they have a second level price point that they say is a pro, but you could, you can start to bend and deform that pad on the shelf. Well, call it a year into wearing that two times a week, two, two, three times a week the inside of that pad really starts to break down. It's not just an outer look. It's about actually the way that the overall durability of the pad and the materials have deformed or flexed or bent or broke. It really just depends on how they, they last over time as well. So going from that kind of development stage, just while we're on the topic of durability and everything, going into the testing stage, you know, obviously we can't map out what the pad's going to do in two years right now to a perfect extent, but what is that kind of testing stage look like as far as when you guys have an idea and think it's going to work what sort of is between development and creation and actually getting it out on the market yeah so there's 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 tons of steps we really pride ourselves on our um on our field testing and the way that all that product comes to life and the the way all of that works that that's something that we really try to focus on and it's definitely a lot of steps I, i think the biggest thing is that we field testing is our biggest thing. And then we try to get some testers in the NHL that you start to see guys start to get things a little bit early, earlier than the masses. And that's just validation as well. And we try to lean on our NHL athletes as much as we can, but it's also tough because if we're testing something that's pretty new and a little revolutionary, sometimes giving it to a pro guy isn't always the best, the best route. If you're not there yet, if you're in prototype phase, which we like to call like phase one, that's maybe not for, that that's maybe not for an NHL player just yet, unless it's something that's crazy revolutionary. But if you did want, if you're just, if you're relaunching a new Supreme skate, let's say, and you're getting it out and there were changing a tongue, 
maybe getting that tongue on a new on a player a little sooner is always it's always good validation to be able to have out there. Mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing uh, like a certain goalies uh, last year in like ultrasonic gear earlier. Like like Bishop, I believe, was the first one that I we really saw with it on. And so was yep. he? Was was that kind of like the the big reveal? Yeah, he was one of the first guys in it. But it's funny too, and this is where it it really depends on the audience. But that's where like this is where our industry gets a little tricky because all goalies have eagle eyes and they start to see things out there. Like Vasilevsky's <laughs> been in a he's been in a stabilis slide knee for he was in one for the better part of the season. And it's funny yeah. that he's one of our vapor guys. But stability started to become a big thing for him. So he was like, I love that knee block. And then he got in it. And it's like, that's actually closer to them what Bishop has. So really big time. We try to identify some of those goalies. I think our big reveal is probably Frederick Anderson. He's the face of Supreme for us. Uh, but Ben Bishop being in it in the Winter Classic and then um, around All-Star game, there's just different timing that, that definitely having him in it has been great too. Yeah, I, I feel like the Winter Classic is the place of any to really showcase a pad and make a big, come up with a bang with it. Because mm-hmm. I remember everyone talking about those, like the second they saw them at the practices, practice facility, everyone's like, did yep. everyone see this? Everyone see like the new bower pads? And I was like, <laughs> yep. Like, <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot of secrets out there anymore. Like it, it, it's pretty <laughs> crazy the way that it works, like whether it's goalie gear nerd or it's it, it's whoever might be in the rink that day snapping a picture if they're a goalie if they're a goalie fan it's it really just depends but like nothing stays a secret as much as we like to think like oh let's do a really cool <laughs> reveal with Frederick Anderson well god if TSN is in the rink that day and they get a picture of him in his gear thinking they're just showing a picture of him but he's got his new stuff on one kid takes that and it's online an hour later and there goes our whole reveal. So yeah, it, it's it, incredible. It's, <laughs> it's been a thing for years. Yeah, like you said, they don't miss anything. Those goalies. <laughs> That's probably one of the toughest parts I would say about being a goaltending marketer. Is like, all right, we wanted to re- reveal this on a certain day, but these hundred guys figured it out <laughs> just before we could say anything. And you know what? And you know what's tough for us is from your from uh, from a retailer standpoint, it gets very difficult too because. It, we we tried to hold the reveal of the ultrasonic as long as we could until January December time frame, and that's just so we don't hurt you guys who still have to sell to us pro. Because if, if we're releasing that right away, like let's let's say, well, obviously we're living in a weird time, but if we release the new vapor on Vasilevsky this summer, kids are going to wait. That's the reality of it. Kids wait for the newest and latest and greatest. So if all of a sudden we're, we're holding that up. So that's why if you've noticed, we really tried to shift our launches, like our reveals until that world junior December, January timeframe. That way it gives the goalie a good time to transition. Cause there's usually a bit of a break, but then also it, it, it helps us have a good splash. And then we, we launch custom in March. So. Yeah. I, I wanted to uh, move over and kind of ask a question that I've been seeing from the community is why the change from 2S to ultrasonic and not just continuing with like 1S, 2S, 3S, but why the new name for ultrasonic? You know what? It was actually something we inherited from player. Uh, player felt that they needed something to really identify um, or elevate that top price point. So they actually started it with stick with Flylight, and then they had a 2X Pro, but they felt like it was kind of hurting kind of all over the way that it worked on the, the naming itself. But it elevated that top price point into being like, okay, well, that's clearly better because it's not just a 2X 
or a 2X Pro or a 2.9? Yeah, that's a question I see a lot is like, well, what's the difference between the, you know, 3S and 3S Pro? But now that it's like a defining name, I feel like that is a, it's a good change. Yeah, it just identifies, it really just elevates it to that top price point. So I just wanted to ask a question for myself. I've heard a little bit about it, but how is a Bauer pad formed today in manufacturing from being nothing to becoming a pad? How has that all happened? Yeah, so we have a very different process than our, uh, than our competitors. So the way it works is that we have a one-piece material called Cortex Skin. So Cortex Skin is our basically our patented technology. Instead of cut and sew leather into different zones, we have a, um, a one-piece material that we actually digitally print on. That's why we're able to do all the different graphics that you guys have seen for DigiPrint. So being able to do that is that printing that graphic obviously reduces weight rather than cut and sew different, uh, different leathers. That material gets molded, so we basically put it into a giant oven. We basically heat it, it comes back out, and then we wrap it around the mold of basically the shape of a pad. So once that basically takes the shape, that skin keeps the shape, and then we basically start to layer in the core of the pad, and then we basically start the normal process of all the lacing and all the different um, sewing, basically assembling that pad inside of that molded sheet. So you mentioned the the digital printing. That's something that I've always thought was very cool and very unique to the Bauer pads. But obviously, you've seen you know ten times more than anything that I would have seen. What's the most unique or craziest pad design you have seen somebody create? You know what? We we've had some really cool ones. Uh, we've had someone do some like tribute sets to like their favorite goalies, whether it's like Patrick Waugh or something like that. Like that. Um, you know what? I, I think the ones in Europe, because the ones that they, some of them implement the ads and then with a graphic or their team logos, I think that they're, those are very cool. The craziest one I've seen, so the way it works from my perspective is I'm the, I'm the, as a brand manager, I actually take on all the approval. That way no one puts anything that they can't really get approval. There's a team logo, a, another brand, um, something vulgar on the pad. I basically sure. have to, I basically decline it or I, uh, or I accept it. Uh, but there was a there was a kid actually in Russia who like had to have a SpongeBob and Patrick <laughs> pad, like, and then I unfortunately I had to decline that one because oh. they obviously weren't working with with Nickelodeon or whoever SpongeBob <laughs> yeah. was with. But yeah, that was the uh, that was one of the crazier ones that I've seen. I know some people wanted to do like uh, Eric Portillo, who played played in Dubuque last year, but is going to go to University of Michigan this year. He, he did a set that looked like basically like Knight's armor. <laughs> that I thought was like that one. Ridiculous. Yeah, that the, one's a really cool artist, set. Yeah, it was so cool. The way our designer did the the different shading on them, it actually looked like it had a bit of reflection and stuff to it. They were so awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, I, that's that one's a a great set to look at. I I believe I've shared it before, if I remember right. But that one's incredible. It actually looks like it's coming off like a little bit of the uh, on the pad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I I wanted to ask you a question because Jason kind of rolled his eyes at it. How do you feel? <laughs> how do you feel about advertisements being on like pads and jerseys in Europe? To preface you know this before you answer, we've had this conversation yeah. in the office a ton, and like <laughs> I think it's hideous. I think the I the, the logo is all over. But again, yeah, I'm not a hockey guy. All the hockey guys tell me how cool it is, but I'm so against it. So I'm curious what side you're on now. No, for sure. I, I, I will tread lightly because for me, I find the NHL is always put, they, people have always been very against it because of tradition. So mm-hmm. they, they couldn't imagine a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey with 
an SAP logo on it. Right, and that's exactly. Where they, they kinda, or Canada. a McDonald's logo. Same. They try to battle that tradition where I feel like, I don't know if Euro teams didn't have a ton of tradition back in the day, but they just have always had ads. So for me, I actually don't mind it. I, I don't hate it. I You'll notice that some of the wealthier teams have less ads because they just do better as teams and they don't need as much advertising. But if you look at like Division Two in Finland, they're like a billboard from top to bottom. That's where I think it gets a little crazy. But it's awesome. It is pretty. Uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. Of some of the stuff that they do, but to me, I'm just so used to it. It really doesn't phase me. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> I'll, I'll let that answer slide, then I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to say probably one of the coolest designs that kind of kicked off DigiPrint for me was Henrik Lundqvist's design with Madison Square Garden in the back and then like the Statue of Liberty and everything. I thought that was incredible. Yeah. So that, is that really just like the, like it, what's what's the ceiling for DigiPrint? There really is no ceiling. It's, you know what, like it, it, our designers have been unbelievable and the beauty of it not being cut and sew or having to work within the parameters of dyes is that if you had a high enough res image of the New York City like land, like cityscape, or you had a high enough res picture of your dog, <laughs> we literally can drop it into our template, and you can get anything you want, as long as it plays within our brand standard. It, it, the, the, the like the options are on, like, honestly endless. Like I'm really excited for I can't say too much, but I'm really excited for everyone to see like Frederick Anderson's new set. It is so cool. Like they, he's kind of taken that CN Tower that he did and kind of have evolved it but there's some like really cool little detail in it that like really brings it to the next level that i really think that some some uh that goalies really want to explore i think it got labeled as a little bit gimmicky at first but once you can start to see that you know what you can take a traditional sock graphic but then you can put shadow marked logos in the background or you could do it like there's an animal cutting through the the skin and (laughs) there's some really cool stuff that you can do yeah, one actually my I think probably my favorite set was uh we had him on really early in this whole podcast process was Francois Brassard. He had yeah. for his uh for his college team. It was all black and it had like feathers of like the Ravens. Yeah, his Raven set. Yeah. yeah his that, Raven set was uh, that's that's one of the that's one of the cooler sets that we've done cuz like it, there's so much and and that you know what? I treat it like a mask paint job. You don't really appreciate it until you have it in your hand. When you see it and actually can see the detail really close up, that's when you're like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Do you have any, anything else to add, Jason? No, I mean, we'll have to keep an eye out. Uh, you, you gave us just enough to get excited to uh, check out the new pad line and everything, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, and so I, that just Perfect. basically just wraps everything up. I'm, I'm glad we got you on. We had a fantastic conversation, in my opinion. Thank you so much for coming on, Spencer. No, thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Spencer. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you again to Spencer Freer for joining us on the Outer Roll podcast. If you're wondering anything else on the ultrasonic pad, head over to our YouTube channel to check out an awesome Q&A we did with him addressing any questions that we might not have gotten to on the Outer Roll podcast. Go check it out on our YouTube channel once again, and thank you to Spencer Freer. We'll be back again for another episode of the Outer Roll in a month's time on the Monkey Sports Podcast. We will be back and bringing you... Monkey Ball, the Baseball Monkey podcast next week. Be sure to stay tuned for that. If you have any baseball playing friends, get them over to the Monkey Sports podcast. We'll talk the MLB draft, the back and forth the players have gone with the Players Association and the owners, all that good stuff. Be sure to stay tuned. And thank you again for tuning in to the Outer Roll. 
Be sure to use promo code PODCAST10, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, the number 10, 10% off your entire order at We'll see you next time.